This is the Four Man Rush. Hello, Panther fans, and welcome to another podcast of the Four Man Rush. I'm your host, Timmy Vio, here with Will and Kevin, and we're going to talk a little bit about that Panther football. First, we're going to talk about, oh, uh, Matt Rule and his his thoughts on our winning environment. And we're going to give you our thoughts on that as well. Uh, we've been you know, conversing with fans on, on numerous platforms on uh, how winning is, is better than losing, regardless of your, of your draft pick. Um, you know, shit, we're still going to be in the top 10 regardless. So, you know, keep, keeping a winning environment is important, and we'll, we'll elaborate on that. Um and we'll talk a little bit about the Saints game, obviously. Um, it was, <laughs> we've already played the Saints, but that's okay because we still have a chance to beat the Saints. I don't care what you say. I, I would love to beat the Saints, <laughs> period. F the Saints. You know what I mean? So <laughs> we'll talk briefly about the Saints game. And, of course, um, we'll wrap it up talking about um, the man, the myth, the legend himself, old TD number 58, uh, retiring after – a long time playing the game of football at a high level, mind you. Um, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll we'll talk about our, our good guy, TD, and our fond memories and all that good stuff, man. So glad you're here with us uh, for our uh, Four Man Rush podcast. And if you have not subscribed to our channel on YouTube, please do. Uh, we would appreciate you so you can get that notification. And uh, uh, just because, you know, the season's wrapping up doesn't mean the Four Man Rush is. Uh, there's, there's going to be a lot of content coming out in, in terms of, you know, uh, getting ready for the combine and, uh, prospects and, you know, of course the draft coming up later on, um, in, in the, in the new year and all that good stuff. So make sure you subscribe, ladies and gentlemen, we really appreciate you. Oh, and, uh, by the way, hello to your hats, folks. Four man rushes on the scene. Will, tell us how you feel about. A winning environment. What, what, what did Coach Rule uh, touch on in terms of that during his interview? He said a lot of good things in that interview. Personally, I think he hit it, knocked it out of the park because I think the media was kind of giving him a lot of questions about why it's important to win right now and why you know they're not going to shut guys down and try to lose on purpose to get a higher draft pick. No, I mean, I get it from the fans' perspective why you want a higher draft pick. You assume the higher you are, the more chance you have to get a better player. I think in general, though, fans value draft picks a lot more than people in the building do. I think it's a little bit, you know, a little bit too much. I think draft picks are tangible, something you can see versus as, you know, winning culture and having that locker room leadership, winning culture, having that environment to try to get better every day and build upon something long-term isn't really something you can see happening every day. So it just seems like it's kind of corny and cliche, but I mean, it's something necessary that every winning organization has. So I think what rule was getting at, it was that just exactly that, you know, having trying to build a culture of winning, trying to prepare his team to be able to compete and win in December, because if you look at the Panthers, since 2015 they haven't done well in december except i think one year you know we know the infamous 2018 where we ended on a long losing streak before we had that meaningless game against the saints backups in the finale right which we kind of ended on a somewhat of a positive note 
And then last year with the Kyle Allen and Will Greer show, we were terrible in December and finished bad and ended up, what, 5-11? and 11? So this just hasn't been a good football team in December. It's the reason why the team's been staying home year after year. So I think with this young team, you know, consistent of all of these rookies, these undrafted free agents, these first and second year players, get them used to playing and winning in December and competing in meaningful football games. Even though we're not going to the playoffs, our opponents are. They're trying to win their division and make that playoff run. So it's still a playoff atmosphere when we're going up against them. You know, we just beat the Washington football team. They're competing for a division title. We played Green Bay, who's competing for a one seed. Now we're competing against the New Orleans Saints this week, who still have the opportunity to compete for a one seed. So these last three weeks have been a playoff environment for these young players. So although they're not going to be playing on wild card weekend or in the divisional round, they're still getting experience with December, you know, cold weather playoff football and being able to win these games and compete will go a long way in their development and growth as professionals. I mean, I know we as fans, we're not suiting up in pads and helmets. We can't relate to that, you know, but you just got to understand what they're trying to do inside the building, the people that matter, that actually make decisions and are trying to build a culture of winning and competing and playing hard, what they're trying to build, make, you know, what do they want the Panther logo, the Carolina Panther to be all about? You want to be a team that shows up every day, competes hard and tries to win? Or do you want to be a team that's just known to roll over and, you know, lose for draft picks and maybe next year? And that's just going to rub off on a lot of guys. It's going to turn a lot of free agents away. Guys aren't going to want to stay. Guys in the locker room are going to know that you know, once you give them that idea that competing hard isn't acceptable and the organization prioritizes things other than winning, I mean, that's going to affect their mindset. And you're going to continue to stay a bottom franchise for a number of years. So any day of the week, I'll take trying to build a winning culture over, you know, two to three draft slots. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. I don't know if you uh, listeners, how many of you listeners are uh, um, are familiar with the game of football in terms of a competitive um, competitive sport. I, you know, actually play the game, man. But I I can't remember anybody who enjoyed losing. <laughs> so so I mean, it, it, it matters, man. Kevin, what's your, what's your thoughts on this? Yeah, well, my thoughts has always been, you know, someone like you just said that's play competitively uh, football, um, of course, you know, high school years or whatever. Like, there's nothing like winning, man. Like, (laughs) a win just solves so much. To know that you put in so much effort in six days and all the – your happiness will be determined in a three-hour window – you know, to invest that much time, blood, sweat, and tears to have such a small time frame to determine, you know, the happiness of it, that's a lot. You know what I'm saying? And, and I think a lot of fans get this misconception because these players make an X amount of money. Oh, it don't bother them. You know, they're still rich at the end of the day. That's bullshit. That is such bullshit. Perfect example is each job that each one of us have if we keep having bad days doing a job that we love, that we work so hard to do, if you're if you're not meeting the, the overall goal and objective, how how much fun is your job going to be for you? Right. 
you know, regardless of, you know, how much money that you make, if this is something that you love to do, then you want to see yourself be successful at it. And I just think that, you know, just from, just from interactions through social media, I just think that our fans have been misguided by fantasy football, um, you know, these, um, you know, these online, you know, Madden couch coaches and gyms, you know, with this, you know, with these beliefs and concepts that, that are being displayed because I mean, it's just, it's just mind boggling to think that learning to lose purposely is going to make your team better. How, how, how does that work? You know? So, uh, but for me, I mean, I was just looking over some of the things that Matt Rue was saying. He was, you know, speaking, you know, just some things that um, not to go over what Will just said, but specifically he's speaking after the game, talking about how, you don't want, you know, you want to establish winning because, you know, you have an undrafted. He, he mentioned our punter, an undrafted, uh, you know, rookie, um, Charlton, our punter. And he said, how do I look telling him, hey, don't punt the ball deep. You know, we're trying to lose. Get him good field position. You know, to, <laughs> he was, para- he was para- I'm paraphrasing, but he was standing along the lines. He's like, you know, he was a key contributor today because he kept pinning the Redskins, I mean, excuse me, uh, the Washington football team, <laughs> you know, deep in their territory, which allowed that defense to take advantage and to and to dictate tone. That's mm-hmm. that's important, you know. And as as someone that you know loves to draft and 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 can understand why fans have that belief that a higher draft pick means getting a higher quote better grade of player, which will lend to winning. Think about this for a second. The team that's got the number one that's sitting in the seat for the number one overall pick again is the Jacksonville Jaguars. Throughout the last ten years, you know they've had a top five pick six times, bruh. And outside of what a couple of years, what two or three years ago, when they gave uh, had a run where they went to the uh, AFC Championship uh, against New England, I think in what twenty seventeen, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, outside of that. That year, what has what has it netted them? You know, all those years of top five picks. You know, hey, so Fournette's not even on the team anymore, right? Yeah. <laughs> Before his Rams, contract was up, what's the cornerback's name? Ramsey, Jalen Ramsey. Yeah, he's 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 West Coast in it. Before his rookie contract was up. And also, you know, this this misconception that higher draft picks will turn into winning, that's that's a bunch of crap because look at the teams that's consistently winning every year that's in the playoffs, that's at the, you know, drafting in the 20s, uh, the, the mid to late 20s and, and the 30s. You know, your, your New England Patriots, your Pittsburgh Steelers, your, your Green Bay Packers. Yeah. Uh, you know, these teams are, you know – for several years are constantly drafting near the bottom quarter of the NFL draft order. So the key is, you know, trusting your scouting department and your front office to be able to determine does this player's natural abilities allow us to put a scheme in place to where he's going to help this team, you know, but you know, we, 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 we let the, you know, the, the draft experts on TV and, you know, with all these, you know, we let them convince us that, you know, that this is the way. But, you know, clearly it's not. But, you know, to get back on track, though, Tim, just overall, I just feel like that 
you know, winning is supersedes everything. I'm all with Coach Matt Rule about that. You know, when you look at some of our big players we got on the team now, they were all drafted after the t- the fifteenth pick, Brian Burns, sixteenth pick, mm. DJ Moore, twenty fourth pick. Mm. Um, the one everybody would, was was salivating about now, Curtis Samuel. He was a second round pick, second rounder. You know, the the, the right tackle that everybody hopes that we get to resign Moten. He was a second round pick. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. this is just examples of. You know, getting drafted high in the first round is not necessarily an immediate uh, indication that it's going to be successful. Mm-hmm. Facts. Man. You know, Facts. so I, I just, I'm just, I'm just ready for us to kick the Saints' ass and and go into the offseason with a lot of momentum because to know that they're going to play their best and we got a chance to play our best and to uh, give them an L would just be so sweet. Number one is smacking a division rival around, and number two, it puts their ass on the road, or it puts them having to play again in a in uh, in a week. Mm. So, you know, I hope all the games end up going through Green Bay. I really do, <laughs> you know, from a personal perspective. Um, you know, because we saw a good Titans team go up there and get their ass waxed this past Sunday <laughs> in the snow, twenty four degrees of Lambeau Field. So, yeah, I need all of that you know, for teams going to the NFC. But, um, yeah, wins over everything, and that's all it is to it for me. Right up. Right up. And, uh, yeah, speaking of wins, yeah, we are going to go to old uh, – no, no, New Orleans is coming to old Bank of America this time, folks. We done been in New Orleans. Damn all that. We done been to Bourbon Street. They coming up here. They coming to the QC to get this ale, and uh, we're going to tell you what we need to do, obviously. <laughs> and uh, go ahead and let you know right now, if our offensive line can keep Teddy upright, we're going to drag that ass. I, and, and you can, Go ahead. I, I said it first. Go ahead. Go ahead and put it down there. Because if, if our defense is playing lights out like they have been and we can run that football, we'll, we'll, we, might, we might have a chance of you know, telling Drew Brees to, to, to kick rocks. <laughs> Enjoy that road trip, homie. Uh, so, Will, uh, dive into detail what you think we need to do, uh, like key elements we need to do, obviously, to uh, beat this beat this Saints team. In the first game, I thought we played one of our, had one of our better performances of the year, especially on offense. I think the New Orleans and Kansas City games were probably Teddy's best performances of the year. The offense, you know, we generated explosive plays, moved the ball, finished drives. Um Defense struck was still struggling at that point in the season, so now I mean we're gonna have a now a better revamp, more experienced unit out there, healthier as well. So I mean it'll be interesting to see how they've grown since the last time we faced the Saints. But if you recall, I mean we were like at normal, we were on a game-winning drive. I mean they beat us with that stunt, and we took a sack, got out of field goal range, and the slides potential game-tying field goal to put it into overtime it fell a little bit short. I mean, not that – I mean, I, I trusted the defense back then to be able to stop New Orleans and Breeze if New Orleans got the ball back. But, I mean, we were, the game was close. We had a chance to tie it at the end. We were competitive against one of the better teams in the league. And, you know, I hope the team comes in feeling confident that they can go in, compete, and try to finish and get a win this time against the Saints. But you look at New Orleans, I mean, they're just playing such good ball right now, man. I think they had a little bit of a setback against the Eagles with Taysom Hill hurt. But you just look at what they've been able to do 
under the circumstances. They've had injuries to Michael Thomas. I don't even think he's had a touchdown this entire year. They uh, had Drew Brees out for a stretch. We're winning games with Taysom Hill. And I just think it goes back to what they were able to build up front in the trenches. That offensive line is very solid, stout. They don't they protect their quarterback very well. They open running lanes for Kamara very well. And just I think that's how they've been able to be able to sustain success and keep winning despite all the injuries to quarterback and skill positions because they dominate up front. So that's where it's going to start. You know, we need a good, solid performance from Derek Brown, Bravion Roy, and those guys to, you know, contain Kamara, who's been going off lately, having one of his better seasons. And we got to be a better job of stopping the run. I mean, that's where the weaknesses were on the defense early on in the year. But we have been starting to improve in that regard over the last couple of weeks. On the back end, you know, I want to see Dante Jackson. You know, he's looks like he's healthy and playing good football right now. So let's see if he can continue to keep that up. Uh, Jared Cook's a great weapon, so we just need our linebackers to cover better. I mean, Jeremy Chin, mm. who's been outstanding this year. I mean, I'm not going to nitpick, but if there's <laughs> one area of improvement you can see, it's in his coverage skills. I mean, he's been you know, pretty much picked on a little bit when he's out there in man coverage. So I know Sean Payton probably sees that on tape. So might try to create some situations isolating Alvin Kamara or Jared Cook one-on-one with Jeremy Chin to see what the young guys made of. So we'll see how that plays out. So, I mean, defense will have their hands full, a nice little challenge here. But, you know, I think I like how they've played, particularly the last two weeks. We shut down a better offense in the second or two-and-a-half quarters in Green Bay. So let's see them finish strong, you know, take everything they've learned this year, all of the – from their position drills in practice to the scheme, get it right, and try to come out and play their best game of the year offensively, it's just time to get out of a slump. You know, I think something happened after Teddy had that injury in the Tampa game. You know, he sat out the Detroit game. Then from there on, from Minnesota to his last Denver to these last couple of weeks, he just kind of looked out of sync and timid, more timid than he was early in the year. So, I mean, granted, I mean, Washington's a great defense. and They were able to get a lot of pressure on him up front. Yeah. So that probably plays a role in it. He's probably anticipating pressure too much. But let's just try to get a get the offense back in sync and see if we can have an explosive day offensively. I know Curtis Samuel's 70 yards away from 1,000 all-purpose yards, and that'll give us four players on the team with 1,000 yards or more. So, I mean, that's a very good accomplishment offensively. Absolutely. Uh, running the ball is going to be key this week. We just put Trent Scott on IR. So potentially – that might be Michael Schofield starting at left tackle unless Okun's calf can, you know, be well enough to heal by game day. So that's something to keep an eye on. If Schofield has to play left tackle, you're going to have to do a little more tight ends and chips <laughs> and keeping a guy in. I mean, they got two great edge rushers. I mean, Cam Jordan, the other yeah. guy, just losing his name. Kev can fill in the blank when he gets when he goes up. But I think he's one of the top sack leaders in the NFL. So it'll be interesting. And then you got their secondary. I mean, I expect Marshawn Lattimore to probably shadow DJ Arabi. So we'll have some opportunities to attack in man coverage and make some plays. But it should be a good game, man. I'm excited to see what these guys come out with us. 
see if we can put it all together. We almost had a complete game against the uh, Washington last week. Kind of fell off in the second half, though. I want to see if we can finally put together four quarters of quality football, all three phases, and end the season on a high note. Right on. Right on, bro. Whew. God, that left tackle situation. Nice. Uh, Kevin, <laughs> um, outside of, you know, hopefully Teddy can survive this game, <laughs> what do we need to do to beat the Saints, man? <sighs> man, just the thought of Schofield again, boy, that just. <laughs> Ooh, buddy, buddy, man, buddy. I'm going to be honest. I, I I'd rather go with the uh, the fifth stringer that we just moved up than than Schofield because I bro, I'm still Tim second in second half once Trent Scott went out he gave up by himself two sacks and four quarterback pressures man so if you would have played the whole game oh that, my god bro like man, man I no 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 hell no the whole no. game man. man shh. All right, let me let me let me get back focus here. So, you know, as far as what it, what it takes, you know, I was just you know going through the um, numbers here. It's it's several things we got. We really got to get back in our favor that I think we have improved on here. Uh, number one, we you know as stated, we got to run the ball because the last time it we only had twenty five minutes because the time of possession was thirty five twenty five favor New Orleans. So mm. you know they pretty much had ground ball control on us, but we had fourteen carries for thirty seven yards the first time around. Yeah, that's horrible, dude. That's it, and, and the only one who scored a touchdown was Mister Versatility Curtis Samuel on that uh, on that jet sweep into the um, to the end zone. I mean, Mike Davis seven carries for twelve yards. That ain't it. Um. Teddy Bridgewater, two carries for 10 yards. That ain't it. Uh, yeah, so we uh, – we uh, that's one thing that we that we must. This is definitely a game where uh, we need to be floating around 25, 30 carries uh, for that game. Not, not you know, regardless of success or not, but to just uh, keep things in, in balance, um, you know, from that perspective. So that's that's an area that I feel like – uh, first and foremost, we we definitely got to address and take care of. Uh, another thing was this was the game where we only forced New Orleans to punt the ball one time. They were twelve for fourteen on third downs when we played them back in October. Fourteen third downs and they converted twelve. Yeah, yeah, and the only one, the only, only one outside the one time we forced them to punt, the other was a kneel down when they went in victory formation. <laughs> <laughs> so, God almighty. so yeah, that's that's definitely something that I'm thinking with our, our defense and lately. I, I definitely think that we can, yeah, we got to cut that down. Now, offensively, we wasn't too bad ourselves. We were six of nine, but like I said, we only had the ball 25 minutes. Mm. Um, you know, total yardage was 415 to 283. Um, we didn't have any turnovers. Um, we forced one on New Orleans, but they had 26 first down to our 18. So, you know, these are areas that, that's definitely got to uh, be put, you know, more in our favor to give us – to give ourselves a chance, mm -hmm. um, you know, just from that perspective. But I, I just want to see this team just really – I don't want to see a half-ass effort, which I don't think what we will. But I just want to – I just want to reiterate that. Um, as far as the, the challenges facing this game, obviously the Saints are – 
playing like one of the you know top defensive units um, in the league. There's this guy that I noticed was um, I can't think of his name. Who, who did the Saints play last? Um, oh. Will you know who the Saints played last? Oh. Vikings last week. Yeah, who does last team the Saints played? It's Vikings, wasn't it? Yeah, the play Vikings December on the Christmas Day. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Reason why I was at, reason why I asked mm-hmm. there they had this guy out here. Um, he was a he was a white guy with blonde hair. Trey Hendrickson. He was just totally abusing <laughs> the left tackle um, uh, for for the um, Vikings. I kept looking like who is this guy? Like that don't look like somebody. I, Recognize because I know Cam Jordan, I know Malcolm Brown, I know Sheldon Rankins, uh, I know Davenport, but who was this guy? And this guy was just, just totally wreaking havoc. So I'm looking at at our left tackle position, and I think the guy's name is Mike Kasky, who we're moving up from the practice squad. Mm. I, I'll take my chances with him versus a Mike Schofield, and that is no lie. I, I, Mike Schofield hasn't played tackle in like three years before we thrust him out there due to mercy. Now, since Ocon got his Bitcoin money today, I will hope his ass will want to play. <laughs> you know, his last time around in Carolina, it would be good to see him out there because, you know, when healthy, he has been, you know, pretty solid for us when he's out there. You know, the old saying, he's hell when he's well. Mm-hmm. But hell, when is he well? <laughs> mm-hmm. But I just – um. You know, I just see this game as an opportunity to where we can look a, a determined team in the mouth and be like, not today, not here, not in Carolina, not on our watch. Um, I, I think that that just because of the division, the records go out the window. We've we've seen that. You know, same thing facing a couple weeks ago, what, a Cincinnati team that was left dead in the water. Look, them same Pittsburgh Steelers in the eye who had to come to their place, just like the Saints coming here. You know, Pittsburgh had a lot to play for, you know, trying to get that mm-hmm. number one seed. So they had a lot to play for. And they, you know, took the fight to them. They had them lumberjacks on defense that was laying the wood, knocking them players, Tango Foxtrot out. <laughs> right. So, I look, I expect to see, you know, a similar, if not a better effort uh, from, our, um, from our team. So I'm just looking forward to that challenge. It's definitely going to be a challenge. As uh, if you guys are watching this on YouTube, yeah, I got the stats up from that Saints game. Uh, in the Saints stats, man, that, yeah, Alvin Kamara, you seeing that right? Six rushing touchdowns, and they had over 500 yards total offense and stuff. And this is against the Vikings, um, so yeah, it's, this is going to be a challenge, folks. Especially we got Schofield on the left tackle. Got him, money. Poor Teddy. <laughs> Oh, it's a good thing he'll have the off season to get get to get better because he's gonna get better and bruised apparently. But like the guy said, if we can run that football, folks, if we can run that football, we'll be we'll, we we have a chance. We have a chance because you know just like when we went to Green Bay, you know, the the way you you beat good quarterbacks is to keep them on the damn sideline. And if we can do that, and uh, the whole Kamara, well, we might have a chance. We might have a chance. Keep pounding, man. See, that's 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 how it goes. Um, and you know, who who else could signify that uh, that mantra than one Thomas Davis? Uh, 
And that, you know, it, it, it broke my heart when he left. When he left, you know, left left that locker room in the first place, and now he's going to be leaving the NFL all altogether in terms of an active player role. Um, yeah, if you guys haven't haven't heard, you know, Thomas Davis has uh, decided he's going to retire after this last game, uh, and uh, you know we're going to talk about the one the one and only TD, and uh, will will if you will, if you'll start us off, man, uh, man, shit, give us your thoughts about Thomas Davis, bro. The first thing I think about with Thomas Davis, I start with the football perspective, just the evolution of the linebacker position. Not saying he was the first hybrid-type player to come into the league, but he was just a part of that new wave of hybrid linebackers that you know were kind of like half safety, half linebacker, and just so versatile in the way they played the game. You think of the traditional linebackers from the 90s and early 2000s, those big downhill guys taking on guards, run-stuffers. I mean, they could do a little bit of coverage, spot drop into their zone, things like that. They weren't nearly as athletic and versatile as the guys like Thomas Davis. So he comes out of Georgia as a safety. You know, he comes in, he struggles with injuries early on in his career. And I think when he linked up with Ron Rivera, I mean, I think in 2013 is what stands out to me because Ron Rivera was able to stay in his base 4-3 defense and didn't have to go in the sub package. And a lot of the, because of that, was because of Thomas Davis's abilities. He could stuff the run just like a great linebackers can, but he was also so great in coverage. He could match up in his prime, at least, with wide receivers, tight ends, and running backs. So I never looked at him, even though on the depth chart and team roster, he was listed as a linebacker. He was more of kind of a hybrid linebacker and defensive back that was just so versatile and allowed the defense to really reach its full potential. So I think just the ability of his of what he was able to do in that regard, be that those hybrid type players that you're seeing nowadays, he was one of the first to come into the league and do that. And he did that very well. So that's just the first thing I think of about him is just how versatile he was, you know, on that defensive unit. But other than that, you know, you think about the way he played the game, full speed, 100%. You know, week after week after week. You know, you rarely see a guy that's not going to take a playoff. My favorite quote was from a Buccaneers tight end on the NFL 100 show that said he hated, he dreaded having to play against Thomas Davis because just how hard he plays. And he knew every single snap, you know, you had to be on, keep your head on a swivel because, you know, he's going to try to knock your block off. And then just the toughness. I mean, three ACL surgeries, he comes back. He also played in the Super Bowl with a broken arm and still played very well. I mean, you're just not going to see a guy with that type of toughness as well. So just as an overall football nice. player, he's the ultimate professional, you know, very you know productive career at the position, played next to Luke Keekley and John Beeson and other great players. You know, just a nice, long, productive career from a football perspective. But, you know, when, when you think of him, he's just more than a football player as well. I mean, at the end of the day, football is really just a game, just the, his foundation, the things he did in the Charlotte community. I mean, back in his home in Georgia, the things he does there locally. You go to a Charlotte mm -hmm. Hornets game, you're likely going to see Thomas Davis courtside supporting the team there. So he was just very actively involved in the Charlotte community, and he came one of us. And it's just good to see. You know, I hope now that he's retired that he 
can come back and still be a part of that community. I'm sure he'll be in the Hall of Honor and he'll get recognized appropriately, maybe a one-day contract or something to show our appreciation for what he was able to do. But you're just a good overall ultimate professional, great guy on and off the field, well, you know, well-rounded, productive career. You know, and he'll I think he'll be a Carolina Panther icon, you know, for the rest of, you know, the long as the franchise is around. Hmm. Indeed. Well said, man. Kev. Thomas Davis. Yeah, when I think of Thomas Davis, I I, I look I have to look at him in, in two folds. You know, I look at uh, Thomas Davis, and then I look at Thomas Davis 2.0. And what I mean by that is, you know, Thomas Davis bef- uh, from 2005 to uh, 2009, uh, before he had his first of three uh, ACL tears. Mm-hmm. And the one that came back after that third one here. And I like to say that the better version of Thomas Davis was after the uh, the coming back from three ACL tears. By the way, the first and only player in any sport, not just football, but in any sport um, to ever have that, have that accomplishment. So, you know, let's just keep that in perspective. He's done something that's never been done on, on any sports uh, platform and he did it very well. Now it's not like the, the the version before was some sort of slouch or some punk. I mean, I'm just looking at his, you know, I'm just up here looking at his stats. You know, I, I tend to be more of a stat guy when we had these conversations, but you know, uh, he was more of a safety his rookie in 2005. He only had one start, had two fumbles, one and a half sacks, uh, third, uh, 40 tackles, three tackles for losses. You know, just, you know, basically, um, he, he was basically drafted to be the guy to, to spy on Mike Vick. Let's call it for what it is. He That, <laughs> that mm. was basically his role, I remember, because all of us can still painfully remember that game where I said Michael V's Nick was down on that fall down, but he somehow, they called it a touchdown. I still say he was down to the day of my, on my damn deathbed. Fucker. <laughs> but anyway, um, <laughs> Who let the dolls out ass nigga? But anyway, so <laughs> <laughs> Oh, but anyway, I um you know, and then when you got to play, I mean, think about the linebackers he done played with. Um Dan Morgan, Will Witherspoon, mm. you know, and when you know, when he was coming through. Then he got to be there with uh John Beeson. Yeah, man. Uh, James Anderson. Yeah, man. I mean, we're talking about some, you know, we're talking about some, you know, some Panther legends at linebacker here, man. And then, of course, when he got to recover from his three ACLs, he got to be with Lou Geekly. The one and only. The one and only. You know what I'm saying? And, and uh, just to give you a little time from here, you know, his first knee injury was in the middle of the 2009 season. Uh, he played uh, – it was in the eighth game. Um, he was on pace to have an, uh, a real good year that year. Uh, came back from that preseason 2010. Uh, injured it again. Missed the whole 2010 season. Worked his ass mm-hmm. off. Came back. Started the first two games of the 2011 season, and it happened then. And I remember Thomas Davis talking about how he was thinking about quitting the game of football because, you know, this 
you know, does the same injury keep happening to the same knee? And he, you know, we can we can make a lot of jokes about Mr. Richardson, but one thing that Thomas A. will always get credit for was that Mr. Richardson told him that he wanted him on this team um, and that he, he wanted him to to give it, you know, give it one more try. And that right there was enough to inspire Thomas Davis to, to, to push this out one more time. And boy, are we glad that that happened. Uh, I, I can remember the joy of the preseason 2012 when he was just out there. I think we was playing the Jets. And I mean, he was just on fire. Now, mind you, he never, I don't think he, I can't remember if he played with a brace or not. I don't remember. But Thomas Davis was just cleaning clocks. Hmm. And when he came back, the reason why I said better, because he only had one season before the injury where he had 100 tackles. That was that 2008 squad. We had 114 tackles, three and a half sacks, 12 tackles for losses. I mean, like I said, he wasn't no slouch before he got hurt. But, you know, coming back, I mean, 2012, 105 tackles, nine tackles for losses. 2013, Tim, <laughs> 123 tackles, 13 tackles for losses. God almighty. <laughs> I mean, just an absolute stud. Let, let me take you to the uh, the 2015 season. Again, 105 yeah. tackles, uh, 12 quarterback hits, eight tackle for losses, five and a half sacks. I mean, this does not sound like a man that just had three ACL tears to the same knee. I mean, for me, I've always called him the bionic man right. because that's, that's just some out of this world – you know, abilities here. And I mean, he just, you know, he, he just, he just always someone that I see that just reminds me of, I don't care what kind of situation you're in. I don't care what percentage any, any man I gives you, you know, you, you fight it out. You go all the way. That's, that's one of the things as a man, as a person that I, I'm glad that I learned from watching Thomas, uh, Thomas Davis play, you know, even in his twilight years, past prime after the Panthers, when he went out to play with the Chargers, he still put up 112 tackles. Hey, that's something. You know, now <laughs> that's something. <laughs> you know, now this current year in 2020, he's he hasn't started one game. He's only been in seven games. Um, only has six tackles. I mean, wow. Yeah, just wow. you could. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't know if it's injury, whatever it is, but um, hmm. yeah, man. Um, you know, definitely he's he's earned the right to the to, to hang him up after after sixteen seasons, man. And um, that's amazing. Yeah, so I, I, I'm just thankful that I had the opportunity to watch his whole entire career. Mm-hmm. And you know, and not on top of that, we didn't get to mention you know what he does off the field is probably a bigger impact than what he does on the field. I mean, Mr. Walton Payton Man of the Year. Yep. I mean, his uh, defending dreams uh, foundation. I mean, just his impact in the community just is completely unbelievable as far as the, the lives that he's touched, uh, him and his family, uh, his beautiful wife, who's funny as hell, by the way, on um, <laughs> on uh, social media. Um, I mean, his kids. I mean, you know, just you know, if you have a bad thing to say about Thomas Davis, you, you need to you need to check yourself. Right up. You know, so <laughs> word up, and uh, it was great because I think Will shared it with us. The um, right before the game was a picture of um, him and Luke Keekley together. Right before the game started, man. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, yeah, man. The good old days, you know. 
old assault and battery. Because when yeah. they play, <laughs> you didn't want to see it. Man, you didn't want to see it. Yeah, and one of my favorite games they had together, Tim. You remember the twenty thousand, the two thousand thirteen game against the Saints at home in the rain? Oh gosh, yeah. Oh gosh, yeah. yeah. Both of them had over. Uh, I think Keekley had twenty five tackles. I think Thomas Davis had eighteen that game. Yeah, <laughs> nobody was throwing the ball, man. Everybody, right, right. <laughs> oh, so I'm like, you know, I mean, it, it, it's just. It's just yeah, wow. seeing them play with that type of, you know what I'm saying, like intensity and fever, man. That was just just crazy, man. I mean, they – like I said, of all – Thomas Day played with some great linebackers throughout his career uh, while here in Carolina, but that right there, seeing that type of performance, uh, that game was just, you know, just mind-blocking. I'm sorry, it was 24 tackles by Luke, 14 by Thomas Davis. Still. Thirty-eight tackles by by two linebackers. By two linebackers. <laughs> Jesus. In the rain. <laughs> God. Now see, this this is why we're so critical on the linebacker position at this point, folks. We've just been spoiled all these years by greatness. By greatness. That's why we need to get it back in there. But man, Thomas Davis, man, and I, I find it funny the correlation between between his entry into. The NFL, you know, him being a safety and he might up becoming a a, a, a wheel linebacker. Well, it depends on on the you know, the formation or whatnot, but becoming a, a linebacker. And we have Chen, <laughs> who came into a league first year safety, and he's basically playing like a linebacker, and and, and it's just just thumping people. <laughs> it's just funny that that correlation between the two. I I, I find it funny. Punt the hell out of Jimmy Graham, didn't he? Oh my God! <laughs> man, mm, Lord, I'm, I'm about to pull that up on the old Boy, YouTube. Don't do it. Pull that up on the YouTube video, man. I'm about to pull that up, man. I'm gonna just going just going just cut that during during the editing and just put that in there because he put the ooh Lord, you laid the wood on that boy. <laughs> and what was that hit? I think it, what he got suspended for uh, against Tampa on that crap back. <laughs> <laughs> boy, oh two, boy! Two videos I gotta pull up. <laughs> I go like, it was like Cameron. <laughs> hey man, that's a that's another thing because like he had a um suspended too with that hit on Devontae Adams. And I think he so just got much. a reputation from a lot of people that he's a dirty player. And I mean, that's if you don't right. know who Thomas Davis is, I mean, right. I can understand you're mad about him hitting your guy and knocking him out like that, but. Right. I don't think it was ever and he was not a dirty player to me. I just think God, just no. his he's just built to play to the whistle, play hard, play full speed. Mm. And sometimes when you're playing that fast, you're just not you know, you make make a couple mistakes like your helmet, mm. you know, he'll make a helmet to helmet hit on accident or something like that. But mm. Thomas Davis is probably the last person in the world that would be a dirty player. He's just out there playing hard, being the ultimate pro, doing his job. And some of those hits are just unfortunate. You know, they happen as part of the game of football. But, you know, he was a pro's pro, man. I couldn't, you know, think about how anyone could label him as a dirty player that would be out there and trying to intentionally harm another guy. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, (laughs) y'all – there was a lot of pissed off people at at Thomas Davis for that that hit, man. But – like you said, Will, there's no way in the hell you can say Thomas Davis is a dirty player. 
I mean, his his persona, his respect for the game of football. I mean, that's 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 another reason why he plays so hard, man. He played for sixteen years. You gotta you gotta love what you do to play linebacker at a, at the pro level for sixteen freaking years. And you know how many hits that is. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you you gotta love the game of football to be hit hitting people that much. And I like to say, I think with his style of play, he would have did good in any era. Yes. 60s, 70s. Oh, when you could really just, <laughs> when you really could just lay the wood to somebody. I mean, could you imagine if if, if he played in a, when the league was more run heavy than the, oh, man. Ooh, he, man, the way he used to shoot them gaps. Oh, bro. I mean, I felt bad for some offensive linemen because you can take the right step, the right angle. And he just, he gone. <laughs> he still beat you to the spot. It's, yeah. It's amazing. So, Thomas Davis, man. Gosh. We'll, we'll miss you, we'll miss you, TD, man. And hopefully you'll come to, uh, come to the Panther organization. You and you and Luke can, you know, who knows? Might be a, a DCHC situation right there one day. Who knows, man? That, oof, oh, Lord of mercy. Oh, man. God, can we not just draft you a linebacker? Fifty-eight. No. We should. I, I don't see why not. Retire at fifty-eight. But three what? Three Pro Bowls. Yeah. Yeah. Man, and then, as Kevin mentioned, we'll fifty-eight, fifty-nine, right next to each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You should do that, man. On the on the Ring of Honor. At, at least, at the least, Ring of Honor and retire that damn thing, bro. Yeah, hell yeah, bro. Gosh, 16 years flies by, folks. <laughs> I have to tell you, 16 years flies by. But, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Great stuff, gentlemen, great stuff. Um, any parting shots, fellas? Just um, win. Well, That's all that matters. Go ahead, baby. Win, baby. <laughs> it was an art. <laughs> Just win, baby. <laughs> yeah, mine's as always thanking our fans who support us. You play to, to win, win the game. game. Hello. <laughs> Herm. Herm. Yeah, and I guess my close thoughts is always to thank our fans. Like, we really appreciate you guys, like, hitting us up in our inbox, letting us know how you look forward to our next podcast or our next post game. You know, it, it really makes us feel appreciated that our efforts to make sure that we that we know our shit is, is well appreciated. You know, I understand that we may not always see eye to eye, and that's cool. That's what's the fun part about debate, you know, seeing, you know, the game through different people's eyes. You know, just know that when you, you know, when you come to the four-man rush, just know we're going to have facts and logic to support what we say. You know, that's just the way that we choose to roll. So, you know, it's never personal. It's all in fun. And it's just all about, you know, sharing this experience in a way that allow our fans to, to see the truth about what's going on. So uh, just always much love to our fans, man, that's, that be checking us out on all our different platforms. Yes, sir. Well said, sir. Well said. And those platforms include Twitter, uh, obviously YouTube, um, you know, Facebook, Instagram, 
Um, you know, so I mean, check us out, folks. Uh, we, we love to communicate, and obviously, we love to talk about the game of football and these 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 Carolina Panthers. So, yeah, appreciate you guys. Um, oh, and also, uh, please uh, head over to uh, www.thefourmanbrush.com um, for uh, for more um, write ups, uh, great detailed write ups, and please be sure to uh, check out our website for. Um, uh, you know, prospects, you know, uh, going to the combine draft, uh, draft picks, things of that nature, man. We're, we're going to have some great breakdowns. We have some great, great individuals who have, uh, uh, you know, credible knowledge on collegiate athletes, you know, and, and you know, prospects in that, in that regard, too. So, you know, check out our website, folks. It's good stuff. Good stuff. Um, so uh, if you listen to this podcast in the morning, afternoon or evening, thank you so much. Um, happy holidays. Happy New Year. I hope you guys are uh, staying clean and clear of this COVID situation. Uh, once again, I'm just saying this all during season. It is not going anywhere anytime soon. Um, so, you know, just, just please, please, please. Uh, we've, we've lost enough uh, uh, folks due, due to this stuff. So, man, take care of yourself. Um, I, I seriously doubt you want to you want to miss next season. <laughs> I seriously doubt you want to miss that because uh a healthy CMC and some more uh, pieces um, uh, on the offensive line and the, and the defensive defensive uh, uh, positions. We're going to be a freaking problem. That's all I got to say. So, ladies and gentlemen, it's your dog, wash your cat, and as always, keep pounding. She love it, we out in public and we can just chill with my partners and we can go back to my crib and just chill out the covers and do we call me and you love us. The Foreman Rush is brought to you by the love and respect of and for the Carolina Panthers and Carolina Panther fans everywhere. Keep pounding. The Four Men Rush is a non-affiliate of the Carolina Panther organization. All thoughts, assessments, and content of this podcast is directly related to the Four Men Rush exclusively. Thank you.